Greetings, adventurers. Before we begin today's tale, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for a service that is both useful and important. We speak, of course, of NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network application, basically a magic item with infinite counterspell scrolls that can work against the scrying factions of the interwebs and various protective charms that keep your virtual communication pigeons and messages safe. In a technical sense, it establishes a secure connection to a remote server in the astral plane and allows you to access so much more content from across the world and greater multiverse. We set up our podcasting business while we still lived in the US, but after moving to Germany, we saw several problems arise we hadn't expected. Some of the things we needed on a daily basis are region locked to the US, like our banking. So we started using a VPN to securely log onto the banking website until we could talk to our bank about the issue. After two hours talking with them, their grand solution was exactly what we had figured out, NordVPN. But NordVPN isn't only a stoic bodyguard, it also has a fun side. Did you know that a large variety of entertainment is region locked, like your old DVDs? What's a DVD? Let's not make us feel old and instead explain that while you're logged into NordVPN, you can stream television shows as if you were in a different country. <clears throat> I mean, realm state. So you might have access to an entirely new lineup of great entertainment from services you're already paying for and subscribed to. NordVPN even unlocked a menagerie of new German horror content we'd never even heard of and are delighted to be enjoying every week. To get the best discount for your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash darkdice. Our link also gives listeners four extra months on a two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you've been thinking about using a VPN or are looking for a newer and safer way to utilize the content you're already paying for, or really paranoid that the silent one is secretly reading your emails, give NordVPN a try. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. We've had a very busy month. As you may have heard, Caitlin and I are moving to Germany, specifically Bayern, and we were there for the last two weeks setting up the required things for our successful immigration. Update, we've moved. It's taken us a lot of energy to move over 4,000 miles with our dog Izo. Thank you so much for your patience during our big transition. Equally exciting has been our fun reading of so many fantastic submissions for our Dark Dice fanfiction competition. We were very thrilled to see the community come together with over 17 entries of sometimes smutty, always sweet stories, and we're excited to announce the winners. So, third place is The Awakening Doom, the tale of Soren's past. And in second place, a Dark Dice fanfiction by I.S. Inskeep. Wait a second! He's not allowed to win. But it seems that we have a tie for first place between two stories, so we'll give them... Uh, wait, we literally had a 100-point judging system and multiple judges, and it, these were within, like, the smallest decimal points. How did we... Okay, well, I guess we'll have to just read them both. So a huge congratulations to our first place winners, Bane of the Faithful and It Takes a Village. 
We're very excited to share both of those stories with you soon, and you can also read more of our stories in the meantime by checking out the hashtags DoYouShipHim and DarkDiceFanfic on Twitter, Tumblr, and Archive of Our Town. In other news, we'll be directing a choir and orchestra for our next season of music in person in Budapest with Brandon Boone on September 23rd and 24th, and we'll be streaming and sharing as much of the fun as is legal on our Patreon, Instagram Live, and YouTube pages, so be sure to subscribe if you're interested in seeing songs in Infernal, Icelandic, German, and Elvish, specifically Quenya. Speaking of subscribing, we are actually starting to share a lot of lore from our world and will soon be releasing and playtesting a bunch of new pen and paper content for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, including our elusive critical hit chart, on our Patreon, and also our patron-exclusive playtest sub-channel on Discord. We will also be re-releasing Domain of the Nameless God within two weeks for the Platinum Edition, with more maps, magic items, and original artwork in honor of us reaching the Platinum bestseller status. If you already own a copy, you can simply re-download it from wherever you picked it up, and the files will be updated automatically. We have also just released our Season 1 soundtrack, Dark Dice, Gamble Your Sanity, which is now available across all streaming and paid music platforms, such as Spotify, iTunes, etc. And before you ask, it does include the Roaming Forest introduction theme, Lagadom, performed by Fuamadan, and our award-winning Audioverse Award songs, and a certain Elvin Woodcutting song. Lastly, we wanted to thank you again, simply for listening. Yes, we annoyingly release only once per month, and yes, it would be theoretically possible for us to release more, but we're also working hard to provide accurate transcripts, creating 5e content, and developing our world to be massive and playable. And we're getting closer to announcing things like being part of D&D in a castle next year and a 25mm miniature line for Dark Dice. As always, thank you for your support. And to summarize, you can support us on Patreon to get early access to 5e content, join our playtest chat on Fool and Scholar Discord, re-download Domain of the Nameless God, and get ready for a formal release of our soundtrack. Now, let's get started. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Shalis de Pace. Salis. Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek the nameless god? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago. A story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, a team of adventurers fought for their very survival against murderous slavers. Now deep within the dead pines, they must work to find their way back to Ilmeter's hope. Dark Dice, The Long Road, Chapter 3B, Sleepless.
The team finished eating and set off for sleep. As the night grew colder, darker, and the mist became heavy, it fell upon Balmer and Soren to carry out the first watch. What were they doing to pass the time? Yeah. Balmer just makes himself comfortable in the, uh, you know, whatever patch of clear ground there is. Being in the woods at night is actually kind of pleasant for him. He doesn't mind them. He's more concerned with the apprehension that he senses from the members of the group around him. He sits sort of quietly and doesn't seem to want to bother Soren, perhaps guessing that Soren would rather have some solitude. Soren is sort of uh, feeling around, trying to find his dagger still, not out of searching for it, but more just out of habit. And he's giving a Balmer, the occasional cool guy, head nod across the flickering firelight, of course, and just enjoying the uh, enjoying the stars. Nice, uh, uh n- night we're having. Hmm. Indeed. Ah, crisp air makes it uh, easier to hear the creatures that come out at night. Oh. Hmm. Oh, so nice. I wasn't hearing any of that until you mentioned it, and now, oh God, it's like a screaming from all around me. Oh, I'll get over it. If you don't mind me uh, asking, what's your story? How did you find yourself on the, uh, I don't mean to be insensitive, but the other end of your people's lance, as it were? Well, uh, being elven, well, it's it's a very long story. I had a wife once, uh, had a family of sorts, but uh, let's just say that in my time, I found that there's a great deal of suffering in the world, and my lord the god of rebirth, has chosen me as a vessel to end that strife. So, I help as I may. And uh, when I saw the captives, I was compelled to act. You know. I can certainly respect that. I can't say my motives are quite as noble, but I would consider myself a traveler of the world looking for those in need of help. I appreciate that there are others out there taking up the cause. Of course, you've probably been at this far longer than I have. Yes, a great, great deal longer. That's right. Well, then we're all in your debt. And I yours, truly, for more reasons than you know. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. I hope we can uh, make it back into town without hitting too much more trouble. With that, Balmer will take a moment to just enjoy the solitude of the outdoors. You know, he doesn't sleep much. And he's used to being alert and awake for hours, uh, even months, on end. So, as he takes an extended watch, Balmer just continues to take in the night. And as Balmer smiled warmly, opening his senses to the sounds and life within the dead pines, what did Soren do for the remainder of their extended watch? Probably continue to scan around for a while, make sure that... None of the blood runes are creeping up on us, but eventually my eyelids will get heavy. Do I notice that Soren is kind of nodding off? Balmer had no difficulty noticing that Soren was a little bit sleepier after just the first hour, almost like he carried an invisible weight that seemed to press down on him more than normal. Balmer makes a circuit around the perimeter of the camp himself and, uh, and the area just at the edge of the firelight. When he comes back... He walks up to Soren and kind of squats down next to wherever Soren is sitting and pulls out his knife to carve a piece of wood into a small doll. All right. After a while, he takes another deep inhale of the night air and smiles so very happy to be alive. And after a few moments, 
Balmer looks at Soren and asks him a very important question. Do you seek him? Soren's face twitched and slackened, and his hands began to shake as the face staring before him began to shift, pop, those brown eyes sinking into the head of the elf, and the third hollow socket caving in near the forehead. Balmer's nostrils fused with his upper lip as the pulsing, heaving flesh pushed up past his tongue, engulfing his mouth, fusing it and spilling over his lips, almost like a liquid. Soren's quaking hands desperately spasmed at an empty sheath, fingers flailing wildly where the grip of his cursed dagger had always sat without fail for as long as he could remember. What a time to lose such a curse. Despite their insubstantial nature, the creature's melting facial sockets shaped to betray disappointment at Soren's reaction. And from the bubbling, blackening skin emerged three pussy orbs, a red glow seeming to smoke effervescently from them, their hideous gaze locking with Soren's and pinning him in place. Its hairless head was now vacant of a nose or mouth, just a canvas of skin marked with three cavities. Its body heaved as if breathing, and with a crack the naked bony limbs righted themselves as the figure, now very much revealed to be the emaciated and charred form of the silent one, stood to its full height, never breaking eye contact with Soren, even as it stretched and leaned in closer toward him, its rancid smell causing him to nearly gag. The silent one's hands moved deliberately with a previously unseen degree of care as a knife of bone was wedged snugly into the flesh of Soren's form, like a hunter separating muscle from bone. Soren could not break from the creature's gaze, but still, somehow, as the blade moved slowly down his elbow toward his empty palm, Soren found the strength to scream. And as the others began to stir, the bone-carved knife was pulled, dealing fourteen slashing damage, its dripping blade lingering inches from Soren's throat before pulling back. Soren could swear that he saw the creature chuckle to itself. And with unnatural speed, the Silent One let out a delighted human shriek as the fingers on its hands went backwards, pulling the knife into its forearm with a sickening The creature's body flew back over itself before contorting unnaturally, its head now upside down, dangling beneath its bent limbs as the freakish silhouette fled into the woods, leaving behind only a trail of Soren's dripping blood and hints of the oppressive rotting stench. What's happening? Hang back. Don't follow it. The elf was not who he said he was. Soren, bleeding, now holding his bow as more of a crutch than a weapon, looked at each of the party appraisingly. Examining their reactions as a new fear set in, causing his leg to shake uncontrollably and gaining 15 stress damage. Oh, of course I will. Uh, Glom is checking immediately where his sister is. Gail! I'm fine. Told you it was a bad idea to put them on the first watch. Okay, fine. Yes, you were right. You have no time to gloat now. We'll need to figure out... Soren, you're bleeding. Gail, fully awake, began to feel the return of her migraine and chill of elven poison. The effects of whatever healing, or perhaps illusion, spell Balmer, or the Silent One, had cast was now fading. There's fresh snow on the ground, but no footprints. Uh, does anybody have anything to help Soren? I've got an herbalism kit. And some beer. Did somebody say beer? No, we'll save it, we'll save it. I, I walk over and still hand him the water skin. You know, as a courtesy. Oh, thank you. Uh, what is What is Soren wearing? Uh, leather armor. Quite damaged at this point. Also, I appear to have cut an artery. I'll just cauterize this real quick. Mm. After seeing someone they thought was an ally, someone they had started to bond with turn on them, the rest of the party required a sanity saving throw. 
Eldrix and Gale were fine, but Glom... Gale, stay here. The monster must die. I'm gonna run into the woods after it. I quickly put a strong hand on his shoulder and keep him in place. What are you doing? It might kill someone else! We are not able to take on whatever that is at in our condition. Damn! You, you are not of your right mind, friend. I think Glom knows that Ildrix is right, but he has to attack something, and he can't even control himself. His whole body twists, and his scimitar strikes out, cutting down a small tree. That tree deserved it, I'm sure. What do we do about Soren? I think he's about to cauterize his own wound. Yep, there he goes. I can carry our friend as to help if you can lead the way. I can do that. Uh, but first, Glam wants to check on Gail's condition with a 16 for perception. In full view of the campfire, Glam noted Gail's introverted posture, the eyeliner running down ever so slightly over her pale face. She clearly appeared the part of the stoic soldier, but Glam knew his sister better than anyone else. Gail, what's wrong? Fine, fine, there's nothing wrong with me. We've been through far worse than this. How's Soren? I don't know what to do with Soren, so I start ripping my undershirt under my chainmail to see if I can make some kind of... something to stop the bleeding. Oh, no, please, friend, it's it's fine. I've been stabbed before. Uh, in fact, I, I'll just... Soren produced a mysterious vial and drank its contents, stifling a cough. <laughs> uh, Glom stops mid-tear. <laughs> Glom stood with half his torn shirt in his hands in shock, watching the wound close up as Soren recovered nine health through some form of magical potion, choosing to care more about other things than what vile ingredients would fuel such a concoction. Great. I start stuffing the shirt back under my chainmail, what's left of it. How long were we asleep? Less than two hours. I don't know about the rest of you, but it may be best to move through the night. It is not safe here. I think you were right. I'm in agreement. We need to get him to a village as soon as we can. Honestly, I'm not sure it matters. I've met that thing quite a few times before. Never been able to catch it. And, uh, frankly, it seems to show up just about wherever we go. So, I think it's probably best just to try to get a full night's sleep here. I wouldn't mind letting this close up a little more. Let's just, uh, be vigilant. You mean you've seen this before? Regrettably, I have. We call him... Well, we don't, but... His followers, I guess you could say. Call him the Silent One. Three, uh, three eye sockets in the face has a tendency to collect all manner of beasties in his employ. Not a fan, personally. So, so where have you met him before? Clearly he's, he's not killed you yet, but what does it want? I don't even remember at this point if he has or not. And I don't really know what he wants, um... A saint to some, if saints were feared and never loved, I think someone said to me once. It seemed to be waiting for me to recognize it or something, but you know that gate back there with the blood and everything, uh, sort of, sort of the prison for an ancient hideous creature that was going to rise up and kill all of us. The Silent One wanted this to happen, and it kidnapped some children to sacrifice at the gate to release the Nameless God beyond, but we defeated it. The, uh, the Nameless 
thing, I think, and closed the gate. Or at least, uh, I thought we did. But then, why were we running? I don't know what those elves were trying to do. So you're saying we don't want to open the door? Oh, we're not if we can help it. <laughs> the Silent One seems to guard it from outside, though if I'm remembering correctly, we also met him beyond the gate, which is a bit hazy in my memory now. Anyway, he seems to come and go as he pleases at this point. Does he always take the same form? No, that's the uh, regrettable part of it. He seems to be able to skin change, or whatever you'd like to say, shape shift, into anyone or anything, really. We've seen him take the faces of many friends. When we were in there last time, beyond there, I'm not sure what you would say, we had to seal the gate with blood again on our way out. Seems like it might have been... My blood, I'm not sure, but that probably wasn't enough. I don't know if the elves that we killed back there will have been enough. It was certainly, uh, pooling around them, those draconic runes we saw. I don't know if that was the gate itself sealing or opening. Frankly, it's all a little fuzzy. Glom is just almost, just without words for a second, but he's like, you said you closed the gate with blood, and... We just poured blood? It, was that the gate where we poured the blood? As far as I know, blood only acts to seal the gate, but I'm no expert for sure. But uh, we should be safe. At least for a few centuries, huh? Do you think they were trying to seal the gate? Oh, they looked like they definitely wanted to save everyone from something horrible. By killing us. People don't do things without a reason. They were followers of Raylir. They must have had some reason for their actions. I'm honestly not sure what their motivation was, though. If they were to seal the gate, I don't think they'd mind much using slaves to do it for such a high cost, so to speak. But, getting back to the matter, I feel like we need to focus on our well-being for the immediate future. Okay, so our plan is clear, we just don't ever sleep again. I actually love that plan. That's as foolish yeah. as that sounds, we do need to sleep. And if you say this silent one comes wherever we might be, we would probably best to remain here until we are well enough to carry on to the town. But he comes for you, Soren, is that right? He might. I, I honestly can't say I'm not what draws him, though I don't know why. He could just be angry that we stopped his plans, or he could just be hungry, I suppose. Everywhere I go, he seems to turn up. Well, he's seen all of us now. I'll offer first watch while you sleep. Uh, yeah, I'll join first watch. Glom's joining first watch. Okay, so we're all joining first watch. I'll sleep then. Hildrix curls up by the fire like a dog, and he's <laughs> like, Fine, you watch. Get some rest, Soren. Yes, thank you. A bit more on edge than before. What were Glom and Gale doing during their watch? Okay, I'm keeping all my gear on and digging into a little defensive position uh, that looks like a pillow fort of steel and death. I've got like a little trench dug down, my chainmail, my sword propped up, shield propped on the other side at the ready, and Glom's glowering face just visible above the shield's top. 
I'm kneeling against it and looking at the forest around us with suspicion um, before uh, turning to Gale. Sister, we're taking first watch and we're staying awake all night. Gale smiles, calmly walks next to him, the bitter muse, and kindly sits down next to Glom. She looks at his armor and his dying adrenaline rush and gently says, You just see nothing. There's nothing out there. You can calm down, I promise. Gail removed her right glove to reveal a silver ring that showcased a well-cut blue stone. As she touched the ring, heat began to seep into it from her body, causing the stone to glow subtly and reveal the etched shadow of a raven hidden beneath the stone's surface, now clearly visible as Gail's breath began to freeze. Glum, do you recognize this? Hmm? What? Glom dared to break from his battle stance to quickly glance at the stone. The raven. You recognize it. Do you remember it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you remember where you saw it? No. No, I... Maybe. It's not exactly our house seal. I I see it in my dreams sometimes. It's from when we were small, isn't it? Do you remember when Father used to tell us stories about our ancestors? About where they travelled? The many amazing adventures and tales that built our house? I don't like talking about him. Why? It wasn't the same after you left. You know I had no choice. Look, I just don't want to talk about it. If I'd stayed, things would have happened. They would have come for you, and I had to keep you safe, so some other just took us away. Glom is just holding something back, not saying it. Was he terrible? He was fine. I wasn't good enough. You were... you were so small. He was meant to look after you, not the other way round. That wasn't meant to be your job. He needed help, Gail. What was I gonna do? Gail, he... It just got... It was too much, you know? It's like a sickness. Couldn't help himself. He wasn't terrible. He... I... I did my... my best. He needed help. I tried, but... When I helped him, it just got worse. And after it... After I'd helped him, Mother made us leave. I did try to come back to you. It just took a little longer than I expected. I don't want to talk. I, it's not your fault. I I like to think about other times, Gail. The other memories. When we would play. When, when Mom was still with us. When we were a family. But I have so few of those memories. I was too young, I guess. We should have had more time like that. Glom was now seated, relaxed, somber, staring at the ring and at Gail's frozen breath as she spoke. But we can make up for it now. I am glad you're back. I'm glad I found you. As they continued their conversation long into the night, both Glom and Gale regained eight points of stress damage. Only 59 to go. Each. The watch continued uneventfully like that for four hours, with the siblings continuing their conversation, occasionally marked by minutes of silence and calm smiles, as better memories were shared. To the seasoned hunters, nothing it seemed could escape their keen eyes and nothing seemed to stir within their campsite beyond the occasional terrified rasp from the unconscious Soren. Well, Glum, it's been about four hours, 
I think I'm going to need some rest. I'll wake Ildrex. I don't want you staying up all night alone. Good night. Good night. And thank you for talking with me tonight. I feel like it's the first time we've been able to talk freely since... I know. Um, Ildrex, would you mind huh? waking up? What? I don't want Glom to be alone, and I think I shall need some rest. Oh. <clears throat> of course, of course. Uh, get rest. We have a long journey ahead. I uh, sit by the fire near Glom and spark up a conversation. You, uh, you look tired there, friend. You sure you don't want to swap out with the other human? Nope, nope, I'm fine. Really, I'm good. Uh, Glom goes back to focusing on uh, everything around them, uh, scanning the trees, uh, making sure everything's in place. Uh, Glom's basically doing everything he can to try and stay awake. Uh, do I see, like, how hard he's trying to stay awake? Like, if I started talking in, like, dulcet tones, like, he might just fall over? Ildrix reasoned that it was theoretically possible. So, in my best Barry White, I just, you know, start telling him a story to help him fall asleep. I say, I have traveled a long, long time searching for answers. When I was younger, I heard that one could find such answers deep within themselves if they focused their mind, their body, and soul, and started on my journey of self-actualization through meditation. I make the story super boring. At the phrase self-actualization, Glom required a constitution saving throw. Ooh, I rolled a 19 plus 4. Glom was able to endure a 45-minute monologue on the benefits of meditation, intention, and alcohol-assisted positive thinking. Was Ildrix done with his monologue that was cut short in an effort to make this episode under an hour in length? Oh, I'm... I, you know, you know, I haven't talked in a long time, so I'm ready to talk. <laughs> Ildrix starts to talk about the different kinds of meditation, about what muscles one has to relax in order to achieve a blank mind, and starts sharing some self-guided breathing exercises in a really dull and quiet way. Okay, that clearly gives Glom disadvantage on his role to stay awake. <laughs> so... Glom was forced to roll a second time to remain awake during his shift, taking the lower of the two rolls. Second hour, 11. Glom had been awake for some time. Yep. And in fact, he made it through two and a half hours of Ildrix's self-guided tour of the blankness of mind, the euphoric feeling of truly relaxing one's claws being the first step in a greater checklist of relaxation, feeling the ends of one's fingers relaxing, being aware of the sensations that kept them strained, and just letting go. Letting that feeling of freedom pass from joint to joint, scale to scale, toward the knuckles, then the palms, then the wrists. Ah, good. Yeah. And Glom rolled well the first time, so he didn't consciously try to relax. It's a good start. It's... I and I slump over and hit the ground. All right. What did Ildrix do for the rest of his shift? Uh, I'm, I'm alone, awake. Everybody else is asleep. Yep. Um, I, uh, I'm just keeping... Um, a, a watchful eye around the perimeter of the camp and uh, actively listening for uh, for anything coming by or near um, and looking up at the stars, just thinking of the journey, the road ahead and the road that, uh, that I've been on. Ildrix did enjoy picking out constellations above the mist. Unfortunately, Ildrix had found little sleep during his previous six-day march with the elves and discovered it was somewhat difficult to remain awake requiring a constitution-saving throw of his own. Sure. 
With a 13, Ildrix continued his stargazing, his protective vigil, and saw no issues with the rest of his shift. Okay then, I think I'll wake up uh, Soren. I mean, he would have been asleep for the longest at this point, by this hour, I guess. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll walk over to him and quietly say, My friend, uh, are you able to take the watch? By this time, Soren was visibly in a dream of sorts. The horrors within his mind had begun to part, gifting him with a rare treat from his old life. From before the time, everything changed. The giant spider-woman hybrid, its frothing mandibles loomed over him in his dream. Its fetid breath had smelled of corpses inches from his face. But it began to pull back. Something was distracting the creature, attacking it. Soren could hear it gradually more audible with each breathless heartbeat. A rising growl. A small blur of fur dodged the spider creature's attacks and bit harshly at its legs. Soren subconsciously whistled on instinct and began a quick series of mouth clicks. This distraction afforded him the opportunity to escape. As Soren feebly tried to run, his legs were simply not able to hold his weight. So he pulled himself, grabbed the dirt, weeds, and stone, and crawled as far as he could away from the spider's humanoid face of fangs and hunger, shifting his weight into a sitting position. A single arrow let loose from the short bow his mother had crafted was enough to fell the creature. And as its numerous eyes went dark, the other beasts slowly came into view. Soren found that he was now face to face with his best friend, the ranger's animal companion, a beautiful corgi shepherd named Daddy that was in fact older than Soren by three years and was the father to a fair number of dogs in their territory. Daddy's tail wagged and it began to lick at Soren's face. The dog's breath was admittedly more foul than normal because it had, after all, just eaten part of a giant effing spider thing. But that was a small price to pay for friendship like this. A friendship that had ended long ago. Soren suddenly felt inexplicably sad and awoke, but the warm breath in his face remained, as did the sticky licking sensation. Eyes filled with tears and sticky wetness, it took Soren a few moments to fully understand what he was seeing. He was covered in blood, elven blood, fresh and it slowly poured onto his face from somewhere within three hollow cavities mere inches above. Ugh! It's the sound of me making a sanity check. Uh, 16. Hot for a mid-rice A whisper, a threat. Your suffering shall be returned to you. The silent one caressed Soren's face with a freshly severed tongue and held in its strangely effeminate hand which bore the long painted fingernails popular among the nobility. Soren was only briefly paralyzed with fear and confusion while the sticky tongue artfully dragged over his eyebrows, finishing a pattern he could not see. All at once, the Silent One's facial cavities stopped bleeding as their sinister red glow faded, and those blank hollows filled, shifted to match Soren's horrified expression, mocking him. This act awoke something akin to reckless anger within the hunter and brought some reprieve from the Silent One's hypnotic trance. Seek your revenge and never return. <laughs> and with that, the silent one wearing Soren's face slowly smiled and shifted its features to Balmer's, then Soren's again. The creature casually backed further and further away from the dying campfire, never turning away nor releasing Soren from the full power of its glare, until long after its living cloak was lost to the shadows and swirling mist. Can I, uh... Can I do something to help Soren? From his view within the camp, Ildrick suddenly realized that he could fly. 
He now had a flying movement speed of 60 and was able to swoop up to the Silent One and unleash a terrible breath of fire before... Oh, no, wait, crud. Ildrix fell asleep, didn't he? Ah, crud. With a 16 on his sanity-saving throw, Soren reasoned that if the Silent One had truly wanted him dead, it probably would have happened, and took five stress damage. But the sun appeared to be rising, illuminating the snow around the team. Oh, God, it's looking at me now. Anybody else, uh, anybody else awake? As if on cue, Glom's sword fell from his hand, startling him. I'm awake! I've been awake! Uh, Everyone, are we awake? At the clang, I I jolt awake and and shake my head and say, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I appear to have fallen asleep. At this point, I think Gil hears everyone and just kind of stretches. Are we all okay and awake? I've only slept for something like six hours, so I was hoping we could get another hour or... Oh, what happened to Soren? We've been visited by the Silent One. Uh, real quick, did Glom get any of his hit points back um, due to his amazing choice to sleep in his armor and gear? Glom did not, as sleeping in armor negated the effects of the rest. Well, we're, we're all still here, and whatever it was doesn't appear to be. Soren, does it make sense to head to town, or will this thing just follow us? I really can't say how far it will follow us, but I've never encountered it in a town. And the local legends only spoke of it as a creature of these woods, the dead pines. While I feel fairly confident that it won't kill me, I can't reasonably be sure that it won't kill any of you, nor that it won't do something to me that has long-term consequences. We should be safe if we can just get back to Ilmeter's Hope. You don't think we're closer to Colt's Point or Lope of each L, do you? You're wearing eyeliner, so I'm guessing that you're from the coasts of Vinylhaven? Trust me when I say that Ilmeter's Hope is the closest human settlement. In which case, I think that's where we need to go. You said human settlement. There are caves where giants are said to dwell. Mestere, I believe you call them. Oh. Well, then I too agree with Soren's suggestion. Toolmater's Hope. I studied a bit of the old geography of the region while we were with Sir... Well, while we were traveling with Sir Percy... I <clears throat> uh, rolled a 21. Uh, we should be able to cut a day off of our journey if we go that way. We just need to get out of the dead pines so we can reach the road, and the town shouldn't be far. Let us move in that direction then, friends. Seems like a sensible plan. Absolutely. Let's uh, pack up here. Kicking dirt on the fire. I think we left sense behind on this trip. Oh, I left all sense behind long ago. Who will take the lead? I can limp up ahead if needed. I'm used to this sort of thing, and I'm, I'm not covered in blood, so I'm happy to lead. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, blood and symbols would probably scare me if I didn't already know you. I'll take up the rear. The team broke up the camp and began to follow Glom, walking slowly enough to accommodate Soren's injuries and Ildrix's weary exhaustion. As four hours of muted steps passed underfoot... They passed the remains of ancient skeletons, still pinned to the trees, the dens of feral cadgers, the distant calls of fanged deer and wolves. When they were partway through a more dense section of woods, Glom suddenly raised his hand in the air with a closed fist, assuming that the others would understand its meaning. I fist bump him. What? No! Hold! That... Look! There's something ahead! It's not right! Glom fell into a hunter's crouch and moved slowly, 
leaving the others confused until they too could see it. A strange arrangement of decaying animal carcasses spread in a circle. The gruesome display included a deer, three rabbits, and a few squirrels eviscerated with innards exposed and dangling from the trees that they had been pinned to. As they approached, the smell and the flies became suffocating, and the most disturbing details came into view. The eyes of the six eviscerated animals, it seemed, had been plucked and replaced with small pearlescent objects. So there's basically a perfect circle of mutilated animals with missing their eyes. And, uh, pinned to the trees. Okay, maybe the shortcut wasn't the best idea. I'm looking for a trail that the, uh, the pinner might have left behind. Can you move, Glum? Thanks. Um, I think I see footprints leading through and then left in four different directions. I'd get a better look, but between the flies and the smell, I'm a... Oh, oh dear. Kind of strange-looking footprints. That's because they're handprints. I'm rolling sanity. Glom passed his first sanity saving throw, joined by Ildrix, but despite this, both men, seasoned adventurers, were still clearly uncomfortable. A 19. Strangely enough, Soren had experienced this phenomenon before. Just a normal thing that happens every day. Uh, 10. However, Gale, taking 10 stress damage, began to shake uncomfortably as all the hairs on her arms and neck rose with goose flesh before this sinister effigy. Gale and Glom alone recognized the pattern on the ground that weaved between the trees, around the animals, worked into the sprawl of blood, flesh, and sinews. But she could not find it within herself to give name to the symbol, as if speaking the phrase aloud might draw its attention. She also quietly affirmed to herself that the same pattern had been repeated on Soren's face earlier in blood. So, um, Gale is going to start, um, start to move closer to Glom. I don't like this. I really don't like this and I want to go back. I don't care if it's longer. I just want to go the other way. Please. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Uh, well, uh, clearly there's a hand creature and it's murdering animals. Duh. Uh, concede that maybe we should go the long way. Uh, anyone else? Glom, I don't think there was any problem with your shortcut. Uh, sadly, as grotesque as this all is, it is rather commonplace in this neck of the woods. Mm. These handprints. Do you think it could perhaps just be owl bears? Owl bears don't have thumbs, Iltrax. <laughs> also, do you know how long I've been waiting to say that? Thank you. What kind of place is this? An unholy place. It's the Silent One's place, as far as I'm concerned. These, uh, eviscerations, these anomalies of a sort, have been going on for centuries here, I think. On and off every few decades. <laughs> it's actually, uh, kind of the reason I found myself here. I originally thought this was a witch doing this, but... I've since met the witch, and, well, she's dead. Welcome to the Dead Pines. Did the humans name this place for these strange murders? Actually, it derives its name from an older time when the corpses of enemy soldiers from an ancient war were strung from its trees. The first time I traveled through here, I was surprised to see the bones of criminals hung from the trees near some of the villages. Humans and your weird ways of marking territory... 
Well, we are a prey species, after all. Have been for millennia. Okay, everyone, all right. Uh, look, it's, uh, this is a lovely conversation, but maybe we could just keep moving. If this all goes wrong, I'm blaming you. You and me both. Uh, just a moment, if you could. I'd like to inspect the, uh, pearls or whatever those are. Oh, <coughs> yeah, smell only gets worse the closer you get. Ah, ah, I got a fly in my ear just now. Uh, now I suppose I'll have nightmares about my newfound hygiene habits. Okay, uh, just one more moment. Soren took ten stress damage, as did the others upon learning the truth. Looks like he, uh, he, he took the eyes, and well, he's, he's put the teeth back in where they used to be. Okay, no. we're leaving this clearing right now. No. I'm sorry, but I'm out. This, this is ridiculous. I want to go the other way. This is too, too less of a shortcut. It's really half a day less worth of all of this. Gail, let's just, we... We'd lose a whole day now. Let's just... We'll, we'll just zigzag. We, we won't go in a straight line. Kale shoots him a look but stays silent and is too scared to say anything except follow. I'm drawing my sword and my shield is out and we are leaving. The team began to leave the clearing. With a uh, squishy sort of pop, I yank one of the teeth out of one of the eye sockets and I just kind of casually say, Hmm human, and then I carry on. The team began to leave the clearing at a noticeably faster pace. I think we need to think about who we're traveling with, Gail. Gail is just refusing to talk to him at this point. She switched to an angry silent mode, where she won't give up, but she is too scared to admit that she's just seen human teeth pulled from a dead animal. Soren and Ildrix followed the siblings, and the team walked in tense silence for what felt like hours. The forest itself seemed darker, even as the sun was still in the sky, and it was as if a stifling stillness had overtaken the woods. The scent of rot, ever lingering, was the cause of anxious frustration and fear, as the team expected to see that blackened silhouette just beyond every tree, bush, or boulder. But beyond half-glimpses in the distance, they never could confirm the presence of the silent lord of sorrows. So the team continued to walk refusing to acknowledge as the sun began to dip lower into the sky until twilight was almost upon them. So, as we get closer and closer to when we might have to set up camp again, I think Glom breaks and suddenly gets more talkative. Uh, so who wants to make camp or should we push on? Is anyone else hungry all of a sudden? I, you know, I was thinking I should have packed some more rations. How is everyone feeling? I'm feeling, Glom is feeling great. Those present did not require an insight check to realize that Glom was in fact not feeling great. My friend, you've been traveling quickly, ready to fight the trees again. I think it's time we, we take a seat, at least for... at least for now. I agree. I'm not seeing any circles of death in the immediate vicinity. Do you really think it's safe, though? Glom's looking for somewhere that we might be able to defend while Soren scans the vicinity. With Glom's assistance, Soren had advantage allowing him to roll twice and take the higher of the two rolls. Sure thing. A 22. While things seemed safe in their immediate vicinity, Sora noted the presence of a sputtering campfire in the distance. Dark Dice, Chapter 3. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Jeff. Hey, I bet uh, that you weren't expecting me 
to be the silent one. But, uh, you know, it had to come out sooner or later. It's been so much fun haunting you and taunting you and rolling the dark dice, as it were, as Balmer, as the silent one. Jeez, I've had an absolute blast doing this, and I hope that none of you die too soon so that you can meet him again, though you're never going to be sure which face he'll be wearing or whose voice he'll steal, for that matter. Uh, anyway, until next time. <laughs> Dark Dice, Chapter 3B, Sleepless. Featuring Jeff Goldblum as the Silent One, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Holly Billinghurst and Sean Howard as Galen Glom Vogelberg, Russ D. Moore as Ildrix, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master. This episode had dialogue editing by Sarah Baczynski of Polarity Audio Works, Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions, and Travis Vengroff. It features sound design by Travis Vengroff and Dane Leonardson. Produced with additional editing and sound design by Travis Vengroff, with mixing and mastering by Hemlock Creek Productions. This episode featured music by Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, and Travis Vengroff. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D&D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at darkdicepod. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. After a few moments, Balmer looks at Soren and asks him a very important question. Do you seek him? Does Soren know the F word? (laughs) (laughs) A story of monsters, mystery, and myth. And the four adventurers who have banded together as heroes and as friends. And then he hears Val's voice from above, and then he basically feels better. (laughs) (laughs) Who come together to make the world a little safer for their fellow mortals. Large creatures. Hody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't put yep. Hody in danger. Well, I guess it's hero time. Reckless Attack is a weekly, collaboratively built and character-driven D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. Join us at our table as we explore a homebrew fantasy world whose future is built on the mistakes of the past. A story of ultra giants and saints, legends and rediscovery, and stacks of frogs. Jackers is building his own Ewok village. Check us out at recklessattack.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.